Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 28, Repairing Damaged Relationships. It's January 29th, 2021. I'm your host, Lisa Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. And what I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is very difficult. As for my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moscovich. Repairing damaged relationships. Life can be very messy and very hard, and relationships are complicated. People make mistakes, and mistakes can really damage relationships. While this is a very deep and complex subject, in this podcast, I'm breaking it down into simple components to give you a place to start. So basically, what I'm doing is taking this massively large and complex subject and I'm distilling it down into some more manageable parts to give you some guidelines. And by the way, having and maintaining relationships is simply a skill set that you can build and develop over time. So here's what I'm going to be covering in this podcast. I'm going to talk briefly about what damages relationships, some red red flags that could mean you have a toxic relationship, signs that trust is present in a relationship, components of rebuilding trust. I'm going to give you a couple sidebars, a sidebar in forgiveness, psychology, dysfunctional families, and some skills that will be helpful, and a brief discussion of some mental health issues. Then I'm going to talk to you about steps for repairing a damaged relationship, as well as a few additional thoughts before I give you my takeaways and call to action. Now, I always start my podcast with a shameless plug to visit my website where you can enter to win free prizes until July 2021. And quite frankly, it'll probably go on beyond that, but July 2021 is my commitment. Next up is that you need to understand, this is my disclaimer, that I am not a medical professional or a licensed therapist or anything in the medical field. When you need help, You want to get your advice from either a licensed medical provider or a licensed therapist, and I am neither of those things. If you happen to be suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. What I'm asking you to do is if you're suicidal or you've been thinking about harming yourself in any way, I'm asking you to talk about it. I'm asking you to get in communication and let people know, even if it means posting it on social media, ask for help because there is help available. Now, what damages relationships? Well, relationships are damaged when there's a breakdown of trust, which can be done or due to intentional or unintentional acts or actions or 
lack of actions. So it's important to note it's a breakdown of trust. Now I'm going to cover in a minute uh, red flags that your relationship might be toxic and any of the behaviors that I cover in that list are going to cause a relationship to start to be damaged or break down. And basically what, what causes it is people. People cause relationships to be damaged. Now there's a very, very big difference between intentional actions or unintentional actions. So with intentional, there's an intention. And basically those types of actions or behaviors are filled with either malice or ill will. They're either revenge oriented or vengeful. And they are deeply troubling when someone has engaged in, in intentional actions to damage a relationships a relationship. Now there's also what's called unintentional, unintentional actions, and that means you didn't mean to, you didn't intend to. And some of the things that are covered or fall into the category of unintentional actions or unintentional lack of actions includes miscommunications, misunderstandings, cross crossed signals. What's important to note is there's an absence of malice or an absence of ill will. So you didn't intend to cause somebody to be hurt or to damage the relationship. Now it can be difficult sometimes to determine if an action was intentional or unintentional. And, it, and that's especially true if you're dealing with someone who tends to be a liar or a manipulator because manipulators are very good at covering their tracks. So sometimes you have to kind of piece things together over time to get a full assessment and a full picture because in a snapshot, one incident, you know, you might not have the full picture. So let's talk about red flags in your relationship that might indicate it's toxic. And I want you to know that all of these things I'm going to cover, all these kinds of behaviors, are extremely common in society and in the world. And they're extremely common. So I want you to listen to this list from, hmm, is any of that present in my life? Are any of the people I interact with or have in my life, do they do those things? And under the umbrella of emotional intelligence and self-awareness, it would be really prudent for you to ask, do you do these things? And don't beat yourself up. It's a point of growth. It's a point, it's a springboard for improving your life. So here's the red flags that your relationship <clears throat> might be toxic. Withholding love and affection or attention. Stonewalling. Now stonewalling means refusing to discuss a topic. Repeated lying, cheating, name calling belittling, demeaning, or dismissing, isolating you from friends, family, or other people, lack of respect, a lack of a positive influence on you, they don't make you feel good, you feel insecure about the relationship, you are ignored, they mock you, undermining of any kind, they break their promises to you, they have to have their own way, they use gaslighting or other tactics of manipulation. They are the source of negative surprises. They fail to explain their behavior and or withhold information. You feel trapped. They ignore your feelings or they withhold their own feelings. 
they have contempt for you. <clears throat> now, contempt, by the way, is, a, is probably one of the harder things to discern. They call you crazy. They are jealous. They exhibit controlling behaviors. You walk on eggshells around them. They project or use projection or deflection. They are not reliable. <clears throat> they have little or no boundaries. There is an imbalance of power in the relationship. It is either stressful or draining. You don't have a positive view about the future. They are happy when things don't go well for you, <clears throat> which could be smug and sometimes that's very stealth. They give you mixed messages. They are takers, not givers, and economic abuse of any, of any kind. And I do think economic abuse is, is an indicator of an extremely abusive relationship. It's also very common, and that's when someone tracks or controls your money or your finances. So all of the behaviors I just covered are deeply troubling. They're, they're very common. Yes, they're extremely common, but they're also very troubling because they're not the kinds of behaviors that you find in a healthy and positive relationships. So let me just cover briefly some signs that trust is present in a relationship because you want to have healthy relationships. You want to have relationships that make you feel good and make you happy. So number one, when trust is present, you can both rely and depend on each other mutually, meaning it goes both ways. So that's another way of saying that integrity and reliability is present in the relationship. You are both open and honest with each other. You both operate with authenticity and consistency. You are both fair to each other. Respect is present even when you disagree on a subject. You are both vulnerable with each other. You are there for each other emotionally. Your desire to understand and support one another is greater than your desire to be right or to walk away. You don't use threats, abuse, demiss, dismiss, demean, or inflict fear or stress on the other. You don't leave the other person abandoned or socially stranded. You share big news with each other first before telling others. You discuss big changes and big decisions before making them. You actively listen to each other until both of you feel heard and understood. When problems occur, you work together kindly to work things out until things are worked out. You both make the relationship a priority and the health of the relationship over other things in life, including your careers and other people. You cherish each other and make it known to each other that you appreciate the other person. You have a feeling of safety, safety and security with the other person. So that's like very different than name calling, gaslighting, mocking, all the things that are in the red flag list. So you want to have the things that are good. So since we're talking about repairing a damaged relationship, I think it's extremely helpful and important to talk about the components of rebuilding trust. Because if you're going about repairing a damaged relationship, what's going to have to happen eventually is you're going to have to rebuild the trust that's been broken or breached. So I have a, a list of components 
that will need to be utilized when you get to that stage. So number one is forgiveness. And forgiveness means for you forgiving yourself and forgiving the other person. Trust, the willingness to trust again. Now there are many people who go to repair a relationship, but they're not really willing to trust the other person and that just doesn't work. Humility, if you're the one who broke the trust. Time, because this is a process that happens over a period of months or sometimes much longer. Actions, communication, integrity, openness and transparency, sincerity, commitment, consistency, and reliability. Now, I want to take a sidebar on forgiveness, the first thing from the list of components of rebuilding trust, because I find that there's a lot of misunderstandings about forgiveness, and I think it's really important. So forgiveness is an act that you do for yourself. So I'm assuming that you are not the one who is asking for forgiveness. This conversation about forgiveness is assuming that you are the one who needs to be forgiving someone else. So forgiveness is an act while you're forgiving someone else for what they did or said or whatever happened. But this is an act. You forgiving another person is is a benefit. The benefits are for you. This is an act for you where you receive the benefits. Forgiveness is never about the other person. I mean, we walk around thinking that and acting like that, but it's not true. And forgiveness is an act of both courage and bravery. It is never weak. And forgiveness is a choice. I mean, you get to choose whether you're going to forgive somebody or not. But what's important for you to understand is forgiveness is really healthy for you. It's healthy for you emotionally and psychologically, and it's, and it's beneficial for you health-wise. So it's really much better for you because when you don't forgive, that in, in essence means you're holding on to anger, bitterness, resentment, and those negative emotions, and that takes a toll on your health, both physically and mentally, and by the way, it takes an, a lot more energy to hold on to anger, resentment, bitterness, or what have you, than it does to forgive and let go and move on. And I'm a high, I'm a high energy person, so I don't like to do stuff that t- takes my energy down. Like I like having high energy because I get to do what I want and I'm happy and blah blah blah. So you know, I'm I'm always paying attention to when there's an energy drain and. And holding on to anger, bitterness, or resentment is an energy drain because it takes more energy. Now, I want to make a couple other observations. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have a history or a tendency of not forgiving people, then you might have what I call an unforgiving personality. And that might mean, or what it usually means, is that you hold grudges, like you're just not somebody who forgives other people. And that by the way, is a sign that you have low emotional intelligence and low emotional abilities because people who have high emotional intelligence, according to the research, they're just very forgiving. You know, they, they know that forgiveness is for them. They know that they'll have more energy. They know it's good for them. And people who have high emotional intelligence do things that are good for them. And the other thing about the, the unforgiving personality we'll call it. And, um, but I tend to refer to those people as brittle. And my kids know that because we'll sometimes say, well, you know, they're a little brittle. 
And what do I mean by brittle? When, when someone's unforgiving, I call them brittle. And to me, they also tend to be those people who are easily annoyed by other people. They get their feelings hurt easily and often. And this is also a sign of low self-esteem because they'll take things personally that have nothing to do with them. And what all this means is if you're an unforgiving person or you have the unforgiving personality, it's really just time to get on the road for growth and development because it's not a powerful way to live and it's costing you way more than energy. It's costing you health, mental health and physical health. So that's my little sidebar on forgiveness. So I hope you're going to consider forgiveness because it's really powerful. <clears throat> now I have a little psychology sidebar because while you're working to repair a damaged relationship, psychology, a basic understanding of psychology can be extremely helpful. So I'm going to just cover some terms, psychology terms that have been around for 40, 50 years, decades, it's basic psychology. And if you know what they mean, that's great. But if you don't know what they mean, these are areas where a little knowledge will be helpful. And I'm not going to explain every one of them because I have a whole podcast called Basic Psychology Terms Everyone Should Know. And I cover these, ter these terms in that podcast. But I think it's really valuable. So gaslighting. Dismissive behaviors, demeaning behaviors, emotional reasoning, irrational thinking, blaming, tactics of manipulation, projecting. I mean, these are all terms that frequently come up in when you're trying to repair a damaged relationship. And so I cannot emphasize enough, like I just can't emphasize it enough, that basic psychology is going to make your life easier. It's going to help you be healthier. And it's just got so much value. I mean, I'm all about life being easier because life is hard. I'm so clear life is hard. But that's why I did a whole podcast on it because I'm very serious. Like, get to know some basic psychology and then use it in your life because it's going to be wildly helpful. And especially, as you'll see in a few minutes, how helpful it can be when you're trying to repair a damaged relationship. Now I have a little sidebar dysfunctional families note. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because if you're not aware, dysfunctional families make up between 70 and 96% of American families, which means it's the norm. So if you haven't heard my podcast before, dysfunctional families, according to the research in America, account for between 70 and 96% of American families. So what does that mean? That means that list that I read off earlier of behaviors that are red flags for a toxic relationship, that means most of Americans have grown up thinking that's normal. And that's not okay because it might be the norm, but it's not healthy and it doesn't need to be your normal. So many people do not recognize that they grew up in a dysfunctional family because we're not talking about it in society. I mean, if everybody understood that this was the norm and this was unhealthy, this is not healthy people, then we would be talking about it and people would be growing and developing like crazy because they'd be like, oh yeah, I don't want that yucky bad stuff. I want the good happy stuff. So if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, which is the norm, 
I mean, that basically, like, we have 4% of Americans that grew up in a not, you know, in a, in a healthy family. Then you didn't see patterns of behaviors. You didn't have role models for healthy behaviors. You just didn't have it. So where would you learn new habits and behaviors and practices and what's healthy? Well, you can learn from my podcast or you could, you know, take some other classes or something, but this is not something that we teach and it's sadly lacking. And so, you know, the way we've grown up in America, which, you know, is also mirrored in some parts of the world, isn't healthy and it's not helpful and it impacts your relationships. So if you can begin to recognize that it is extremely likely, almost almost 100%, it's extremely likely you grew up in a dysfunctional family and you didn't learn behaviors that are empowering and healthy, that's helpful because then you can, that opens the door for you to be able to go, oh, yeah, I, I don't want to repeat my family cycle. I don't want to repeat that with my children. I don't want to repeat that with my significant other, or my partner. And I do have a whole podcast on dysfunctional and toxic families. So that's going to help you. But it's just worth a mention because this is the underlying reason why people have addictions. It's a, it's a reason people have depression and anxiety and all of the problems that the pandemic has just ramped up. I mean, the pandemic just kind of magnified the issues and problems that were already existing in society. So most bad behaviors are learned from your family of origin or your family of birth through the dysfunctional nature of your family, which could have been, you know, extremely dysfunctional, medium or, or low dysfunctional. But it's important to understand that people get wounded from their childhoods and they have wounds that they carry. And because they don't recognize that they were wounded or they're not recognizing, oh, you mean it's just not normal to have a scapegoat in every family or, you know, like it's, it's really powerful because it can free you up. Now, here's some skills that are going to be helpful as you go to repair a damaged relationship. And these are also things, by the way, that my podcast will help you because you want to develop skills and habits, practices, attitudes, and beliefs that are going to help you be well-loved, happy, and healthy. And it's probably not the things you learned in your family. So number one is self-awareness. Self-awareness is, is the first component of emotional intelligence. Number two, assertiveness skills. Number three, emotions as a superpower. Number four, communication skills. Number five, having boundaries. Number six, being a person of character and integrity. And number seven is the is to practice the conversation before you have it. That's called role-playing or just practicing. But those are things that are going to be helpful because, you know, repairing a damaged relationship can be extremely hard. I mean, it depends on how much damage and what happened. So I, my next little sidebar is on mental health issues. This is another area. While we talk about suicide prevention and we talk about mental health issues, we're really not talking about it like in a meaningful, powerful way, in my opinion. That's not to be critical of the current mental health efforts and organizations, 
and just saying this is not everyday conversations. So we want to bring the things that matter into everyday conversations. So when you're going to repair a damaged relationship, you might be dealing with someone who has a mental health issue that you're not aware of because they haven't been diagnosed. So there's many, many types of mental health issues. And I want to kind of give you a demonstration of how that would impact you if you're trying to repair a damaged relationship. So the example I'm going to give you is someone who uses emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning is extremely common according to the research. And emotional reasoning is a cognitive distortion or otherwise called irrational thinking. So someone who is an emotional reasoner uses their emotions to reason instead of facts. So what that looks like is someone who uses emotional reasoning falsely believes that their, their emotions are the truth and that the way they feel is a reliable indicator of reality. Well, how you feel are your, you know, how you feel, your feelings are your feelings. And it may be a fact that you're angry. It may be a fact that you feel this way or feel that way. But facts are facts and, and using your emotions to um, judge a situation is not a true reality. So reality needs to be based on rational evidence, not your emotions or your feelings. So when you say to someone who's, say you're talking to someone who uses emotional reasoning, what are the facts? What are the statements and what are the behaviors that made you feel this way or made you come to this decision or made you, you know, arrive at whatever they've arrived at? They simply cannot distinguish between facts and their feelings. It's not something they can do. So for you, if you're trying to understand someone's position or something that's happened in the relationship and they're an emotional reasoner, it's like you're hitting your head against a brick wall because they're not living a true reality. They're living a false reality because they have a cognitive distortion. So this is extremely important. Now, I really want to just really hopefully open your eyes on this mental health issue because when you're going to repair a damaged relationship, this is one of the things that, that stops people. And they, they can't figure out why is this, why am I not able to get this back on track or, you know, kind of what's wrong. So I'm going to give you a list of 19 different types of either cognitive distortions or rational thinking that are extremely common in society. And I think when you hear some of them, you're going to go, oh, like, oh, that's me. So if you're listening to this list and you go, oh, yeah, that's me. First of all, don't be, you know, don't be beating yourself up. This is a, you could have this be a cause of celebration. You can go, oh, I just realized I have a cognitive distortion. I better get to work on that. And then get to work on it. Because you can heal yourself. You can change. You can grow and develop. It's been done for thousands of years. You're not alone. All right. So number one is catastrophizing minimizing, grandiosity, personalization, that's taking things personally, magical thinking, 
leaps in logic, polarized thinking, that's known as black or white thinking or all or nothing thinking, paranoia, delusional thinking, filtering, overgeneralizations, jumping to conclusions, control fallacies, fallacy of fairness, blaming, and by the way, blaming is where you're holding other people responsible for your emotional pain, fallacy of change, global labeling, that's also known as mislabeling, always being right, and mind reading. So that always being right, well, you know people, and you might even be one, that are always right. That could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be a sign of irrational thinking or cognitive distortion. So if things in your relationships do not make sense, then, you know, it's possible that there's a cognitive distortion or irrational thinking. And it's also possible if you're going about trying to repair a damaged relationship and things don't make sense, that someone's lying to you. Because according to the research, lying causes confusion. And that's actually the intention of lying. So someone may have either a cognitive distortion, irrational thinking, or they may be you know, lying, and that's what's causing the confusion. So it can be hard to sort out. So before you go off half-baked and accuse someone else of having a cognitive distortion or being irrational, I highly recommend you get your own house in order. Like, listen, I, I have learned lots of things about myself over the years, because of course you know I'm old, and, and none of it's bad. Like, you know, in 2006, I learned I had zero anger skills. Zero. I mean, not, not even a, a hint. And I was shocked. But then I was like kind of excited, like, oh, look, I get to go learn about anger skills. And I did. And I've just, so if you have one of these things that I listed, just go take it on and work on yourself. But don't be going off half cocked and accusing other people if you haven't done your own emotional work, if you're not self aware. And all of my health or all of my podcasts will help you get healthier mentally, emotionally, psychologically. So now I'm going to talk about the steps to repair a damaged relationship, given I've talked about trust, signs of toxic behaviors, and things that you need to, skills that will be helpful. So number one in the process, you're going to assess the damage. That's lots of questions. That means introspection. It means being thoughtful and thinking about Lots of things. For example, who did what? What was the problem or the issue? Did you hurt or betray someone or did someone hurt or betray you? Is this a significant or important relationship? Was the relationship healthy prior to the issue or problem? Is this a part of a pattern or is this representative of a dysfunctional relationship? Was this bound to happen? Or is this a buildup of unresolved issues and problems? So what you want to do in, in the first phase or the first step is to assess the damage. You're going to make a thorough assessment. Sometimes it's helpful to make a pro-con list. Sometimes it's also very helpful to talk to a trusted friend, family member, confidant, to get fresh input, to get someone else's perspective. And I want you to be forewarned, if you are lacking self-awareness, that you're probably not going to get a proper picture. Because self-awareness is very important. So other questions to ask is, are you blaming 
the other person or other people? Are you blaming yourself? Are they blaming you? So in this process of assessing the damage, self-awareness and rational thinking are critical pieces of the assessment. Without self-awareness and rational thinking, you're going to be assessing the situation in a false reality. And that's just not going to be helpful. And and get coaching if you need it. Get help. I mean, just there's no shame or embarrassment, in my opinion, of asking for help or going to therapy or doing whatever you need to do. So the first step is you're going to assess the damage. Now, the second part is to make a decision. So assuming the relationship is not worth saving. That could mean the damage is too severe. That could mean it's just gone on for too long. But assuming that the relationship is not worth saving or it's the damage is too severe, you know, it's important to understand that not all relationships can be saved. And for me, it's not a decision I take lightly, but I've made it. You know, like I've particularly made it when I found out that some people who I was very close friends with were not good people. I don't associate with people who are backstabbers or revengeful. I just, I'm not having that in my life. I, I don't know why I would, because it's a matter of integrity. So assuming that you're not going to repair the relationship, assuming you've done the assessment and you're just kind of like, yep, no, this is time for me to say goodbye to this person, then in this part, you want to get complete. If this is the first podcast of mine you've listened to, I have talked about getting complete in, I think, two different podcasts, like the, um, might have been New Year's, New Year's Eve podcast, but getting complete is important because you don't want to be dragging the past around with you. So you want to get complete. And just to give you the down and, and dirty on that, take a pad of paper or your your device or whatever you would you know, record your thoughts on and just write it all down, write everything that happened, all your feelings, just keep writing your thoughts, your feelings, whatever, until there's nothing left to say. And you might have to do that more than once. And I do recommend then you destroy it or rip it up or burn it, but you are going to have to process your feelings about this. So, you know, if you're ending a relationship, you know, you're going to be sad, you might be angry you know, you could be resentful, whatever. You're going to have to deal with your emotions because if you don't deal with your emotions about not repairing this relationship, then your emotions that you don't deal with, they don't disappear. It's not like some magic where they're just going to float away. Your emotions that you don't deal with go into your subconscious or unconscious mind where they lay in wait to to resurface later or to cause you to explode is not good for your mental health. So you want to deal with your emotions. And my other podcast will help you with that, particularly the emotions as a superpower and harnessing your emotions, but also the podcast on anger. So let's assume that the relationship is worth saving and you want to repair it. So that would be the next point. So, well, then you have to ask, is it appropriate? Because there are relationships that you want to save, but it might not be appropriate. So what do I mean by when is it not appropriate? Well, let's assume that the other person acted in a way that was a deep betrayal or a deep violation of trust and they have no remorse. When someone hurts you deeply or, you know, violates your trust on a large level 
and they're not sorry, they have no remorse, that means as a human being, they're lacking empathy. And people who lack empathy are not healthy. And it could be a sign that they're a narcissist, and it could be a sign that they're a psychopath or a sociopath. And in my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, you want to run from people like that. When someone has no empathy, is it true they could learn it? Well, it's true they could learn it. But, you know, it's also true that you can't make other people learn things. You can't make other people grow. You can't fix or change other people. So people who do not feel remorseful and are lacking empathy can be very bad people to have in your life. Like, really dangerous and very bad. So if someone has no empathy, no remorse, that's a no-go in my book. Absolute no-go. And you, you're welcome to do whatever you want. But I do think it's important, if you want to re repair the relationship, to take a moment to say, is it appropriate? Because not all relationships are appropriate to repair. So now the next part, we're going to assume that you want to repair the relationship. It's appropriate and they are willing. So I have this broken down into two parts. Number one, if you are the one who betrayed the trust or bre breached an agreement or you're the one who was hurtful or damaged the relationship. So if you were the one who did that, you're going to need to apologize and take responsibility even if it was unintentional. I mean, hopefully it was unintentional because if you really did that badly to somebody and it was intentional, mm, that's no good. That is no good. We don't we don't want you around people who are going to be intentionally mean or have malice in their hearts. But you're going to take responsibility. You're going to apologize. I highly recommend you prepare in advance for the difficult conversation and practice it. Make notes and really like be prepared like it matters. And what you need to do is you need to be prepared to apologize over and over and over again every time it comes up. Like, and you have to be prepared to take the actions that demonstrate that you're sincerely sorry and that this other person really matters to you. Now, breaches of trust on a high level do not get repaired overnight. It takes time. And if, you know, it also depends on what I talked about earlier. If you're dealing with someone who has an unforgiving personality and they're not willing to trust you again, well, that's going to be important too. Counseling may be, the, may be in order or talking to some neutral party. But if you're the one who breached the trust or did the betrayal, you have to be impeccable with your promises and your actions moving forward. Like you have to understand it really matters. And if you are the one that caused the relationship to be damaged, you know, you have to carry the do the heavy lifting on being sincere and committed to fixing the damage. So those are some points there. Now, if you were the one who was hurt, if someone else betrayed you, if someone else broke your trust and someone else damaged the relationship, what's helpful for you as being the one who was betrayed or hurt is to get clear about how you feel and get clear about your role in the situation. So even if you didn't do the betraying and you didn't violate the trust, you 
probably definitely had a role. So I'm going to give you an example because I think that might be helpful. And I know some of you just love my examples. Haha. So for example, I was deeply betrayed some years ago and like the trust massively violated. So then I was introspective and processing my emotions. And I thought, oh, yeah, what role did I have in that? Well, my role, which is really helpful. It's really, this is really powerful, I'm telling you. So what I learned about myself was I was way too trusting, like way too trusting, too naive, a peacemaker and a people pleaser, which was the exact formula to allow what happened to happen. So understanding my role and my personality traits in what in the betrayal and the huge breach of trust was helpful because moving forward, like I, I pretty much understand this is my Achilles heel. Like I'm too trusting and too naive, not so much of a people pleaser, by the way, anymore. Um, but it's my Achilles heel, so I have to be very cautious and really do my due diligence with other people so I don't have it be repeated. Now, if you're the person who who was whose trust was violated or you were betrayed, my recommendation is you make specific requests of the other person of actions they can take that will help to rebuild the trust moving forward. And then I highly recommend you watch and observe their behavior because some people are very good. Now, these would be like manipulators, narcissists, psychopaths, sociopaths are extremely good at, you know, quelling your fears and, you know, getting away with the art of the con. I mean, think of Bernie Madoff. I mean, he conned like millions of people out of like billions of dollars, like because he was good at what needed to be said and people would get lulled into this false sense of security like, oh, okay, yeah, no, you want to watch and observe behaviors and that may take time. You might have to watch over time and counseling might be in order. So that's if you were betrayed. Now, this is a process. There's no easy answers, but I have a couple additional thoughts before I move move into the, the takeaway. So Sometimes it's very difficult to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, but this is something that sometimes you just have to, you know, dig deep and, and make a decision. Is it, is it time to just, you know, throw in the towel? That's, that's, that's a hard decision. I'm very well aware of that, but sometimes that's the right decision. And, you know, you have to understand that you cannot save people from themselves. You cannot fix people and you cannot change people and you can't even make them want to change. What you can do is be working on yourself. Work on your own emotional growth. Work on your own emotional intelligence. Work on your skills. Work on your habits and be a role model for what is missing in the world because this is sadly sadly missing and lacking in the world the next point i have is if it doesn't work out don't beat yourself up i mean there's no there's no point to that now i do already recommended you know get complete with your emotions you know use a completion process so you're not dragging the past around with you i mean nobody likes people with baggage and the way not to have baggage is to get complete now hopefully you gave it your best shot. 
Like I'm a fan of doing everything in my life the best I can do. Because if I'm not going to give it my best shot, what am I doing? Well, I'm not talking about being a perfectionist either because I, I rail against perfectionism. But if I'm going to do something, I want to give it my best shot and then get complete with whatever happened. Because when you get complete, not only are you, are you preventing yourself from dragging around baggage from this relationship or that relationship or this incident or that incident, but getting complete is going to give you power. It's going to give you energy and it's going to open the door for new things. Remember how I said, like I'm, I'm a high energy person. Well, yeah, it's because I do a lot of things that, that are caretakers to my energy. And one of them is not dragging baggage around with me. So, and the other is getting complete. My next thought is that you find people worthy of your time, attention, and love. And sometimes it's a very difficult, in-your-face realization that some people are not worth your time, your energy, or your attention based on how they treat you. Like, I know that's hard to face. <laughs> I have to face it, like, all the time. I really have. But you want to bring love and joy into your life. You want to work on growth and development, increase your emotional abilities, and bring happiness into your life because you deserve it. Now, I do have another point I'm going to make, and you might not have ever heard this phrase, but I've heard this phrase a lot. I mean, many, many times. And the, the phrase is, all differences can be worked out through communication. So I have to take issue with that statement, and I'm going to do it right now. So to the people who say, all differences can be worked out through communication, this is what I have to say. Number one, that assumes that both parties want to work things out, which is not always the case. Number two, it assumes that both parties are mentally healthy, which is very often not the case. Number three, it assumes that both parties are motivated to do what it takes to make changes, and that's definitely not the case. So there are organizations and people who make this statement like, oh, all differences can be worked out through communication, and that's not true if you're dealing with a psychopath, a sociopath, a narcissist, or someone with a mental health issue. It's simply not true. So don't let anybody tell you that all differences can be worked out through communication. Yes, if you're both healthy, you're both committed, you both want it, and certain other factors are in play and in sync, yes, then they can be. But that's frequently not the case. So I just had to say that because, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, that seems, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. And if all things line up, then it would be true. But it's not, generally speaking, true. So don't get lulled or taken by that. The next thing I recommend or I have on my little notes to wrap up is for little things or little upsets, I highly recommend do-overs. Do-overs are phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, I, my kids and I have used them over the years. I actually love them. Uh, thankfully, I haven't really had to do too many with adults, but do-overs are amazing. And just like the name says, you're just going to start fresh, forget what happened, and, and move forward powerfully. Now, some people can't do that. Like people who are the, the brittle ones, like I talked about, hold grudges, yeah, they can't do that. But but reasonably healthy people can do a do-over, and they're quite, they're quite nice because it just short-circuits it, and you just move forward you know, powerfully. So don't forget do-overs. 
And lastly, relationships take skills. They take commitment. They take self-awareness. They take all kinds of things. So you want to have relationships that work and are healthy. And that means getting to work on yourself is going to be powerful. I mean, what are you waiting for? I don't know. All right, so some takeaways. Relationships are complicated and complex and are usually damaged when trust is broken or betrayal happens. Repairing damaged relationships is possible, but it's not always appropriate. And if you take the actions, you can build and repair damaged relationships. And lastly, having and maintaining relationships is a skill set that you can grow and develop. So it's time for action. It's time to get going, to build your emotional abilities and your self-awareness, and that will help you in every area of life. So my call to action is it's time to have a life that empowers and excites you. And it may involve cleaning up some relationships or ditching some relationships. Grab a friend and take them along the ride because it'll be more fun and you'll have more chance of being successful. And last call to action is share this podcast. People don't know what to do. They need help. Share it because you'll be doing them a service. All right. Take care. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 28, Repairing Damaged Relationships. I hope you got some valuable information and you're starting to think about relationships in a whole new way. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And please share this with people because it can really help them. Connect with me at my website to win cool prizes. Know that I love you. I care about you. I want you to have a great life. Hang in there. Bye for now.